What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday of the Streamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Inazelli and Michael Nolan. We have another great show for you. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod. Boys, we're back. Start of a new Premier League season. We got a prediction episode. We're covering the first week, games, recent transfers, and everything mm. else. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Exciting time. Good to be back. Very good. It's, wow, we're here. We what's made the, uh, I, What's I the over-under of Mike Quits on Tottenham this season? We had 17, 17 times, 18, 18 and a half. Somewhere around there, every other game. <laughs> other game. I mean, it depends if they're able to keep Conte or not. We'll see. <laughs> or if he walks away. Imagine midseason goes undone. Yeah, it could it could easily happen. So, well, let's kick the show off real quick. We'll cover some recent transfers that happened over the past week that um, oh, we didn't get to the previous one, previous episode. First one, Lissandro Martinez to Man U. Uh, from reports I read, it was about sixty-three million. Looking to shore up that center back spot, I guess uh, Prince Harry over there is in uh, doing the job for him. Mm, surprising. <laughs> Would have never guessed. What's the uh, news on Veron's health? Is he is he back? Is he one hundred percent? Or I believe so. I don't think there's any any information out there about him having injury concerns as of late. But to my to my knowledge, right now, no. Yeah, you think McGuire's back to the bench then? Captain sees up for grabs. I don't think so. I think Ten Hag came out recently and said McGuire was going to be his captain. I think he's going to stick with it. I can't imagine that that changing. I mean, I, I don't think there's too many people on that team you can really give the captain's armband to that are Mr. Manchester United at this point. Not that not that McGuire is obviously, but I think for the time being they'll stay with him until he moves on. Maybe next season or midseason at this point. Yeah. Um, Kevin Babu to Fulham for six mil. I thought this was an actually excellent piece of transfer business. They already have Jetty on the left. Uh, having a Babu on the right, seems like they're showing up that out, those outside backs right now. Um, do they play a three back system or are they are they four? I believe it's a four. Yeah. Are they four? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't sure if they're more with the, more the wing backs. I, I feel like those guys could definitely do that too. Um, Orel Malanga to Force or fourteen mil. Uh, Solnina to Chelsea. That's finally officially confirmed. There's that was rumors for about like a month or so at this point. Um, he got loaned back to the Chicago, but uh, looks ten mil and up to fifteen with add-ons. Pretty expensive, a pretty decent price for a eighteen-year-old uh, goalkeeper, actually. Yeah. Um, Bernard Leno to Fulham for four mil, pretty good business as well for them. Picking up some depth at, depth at keep, keeper, and he gets out at Arsenal turmoil. Uh, God help me on this one. <laughs> How do you say this one? Jamaica. <laughs> Oh no, it's gonna take some that's gonna take some listening getting used to. Uh yeah, Chukwameka probably sounds about right. Uh Chelsea are about 20 mil. Uh coming over from Ashton Villa. He's a young center defensive mid, I believe, also in his teens. Yeah. Um, did he crack 20 yet? Eight years old. Okay. And then uh just now we got a report uh Cucurella to Chelsea, supposedly seems to be confirmed this time, although there were reports a couple of days ago of it being confirmed and that wasn't. Um Chelsea's out here splashing some cash, boys. Yeah, I know, especially because long-time City target, obviously. Uh, City didn't want to break their budget of $40 million where they valued the player at, and that's yeah. what was holding that deal up for so long. But um, 52 and a half by Chelsea put a lot of faith in a guy who's who's played at Brighton for 12 months only. So Brighton's essentially, I think they stumped out about 15 mil for him when they signed him from uh, La Liga, and um, I think it's a little, a little trouble with that in 12 months. So 
good business by them and potentially a good pickup for Chelsea, who, like City, needs some desperate cover on their wing-back positions. Agreed, agreed. That's actually, so this, this deal is actually going to put them – it could go up to 60 mil, if I'm not mistaken, too, with the add-ons uh, and bonuses yeah. potentially. Um, so currently, before this deal, Arsenal was first – or last, I guess, in net spend at a negative 102 million. Um, Chelsea was right behind them with 101. This is obviously going to put them ahead of words, ahead of that. So Chelsea's effectively spent 161 million up to 170 with potential add-ons. Um, their only income is about seven mil so far. So they definitely have some players to offload to a bunch of fringe guys I'd, I'd imagine would be leaving soon. But um, listen, the Todd Bowl, the Bollier is underway and he is feeling like Abramovich in those early days right now. Yeah. I think that net spend is definitely going to come down um, before the window closes. I mean, talks of Ziyech leaving for as low as eight million. I saw recently. I was like, all right, that's absurd. But they're they're get, they're going to have to kind of start cutting the dead wood. Yeah, there's probably. I mean, Bashwai is probably gone. Barkley. Uh, I've even saw reports of Gilmore, even though he extended his contract recently. But with um, uh, why did I just draw a blank on the midfielder? Give Crystal Palace just came back. Gallagher. Gallagher. Um, with him back in the squad, I don't see that. And with the Chukameka uh, signing, Gilmore seems to probably be out. So definitely some some stuff there. Uh, as Piliqueta, he re-signed two-year deal. So he's back at the club, although there's plenty of reports for him to go to Barca. Barca, Barca, Lona, that one. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff going on Chelsea, and I don't think it's over because there's reports of Aubameyang too, potentially. Yeah, I think there's a couple clubs still really active in the market. I mean, you would hope if you're a Leicester City or Everton fan that they would be included in that, having no inbounds this season at all so far. They um, have inbounds, just didn't spend. Be nice. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. They did the um, right way, they cheat. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think a lot of the tops, honestly, outside of maybe Tottenham and Arsenal, the top six are all probably looking to sign at least one more player by the time the window closes. I would, I would agree with that statement. I, I, I mean, they're all going to try to get those last-minute signs just to make sure they bolster squad a little bit. I I find it interesting, actually. Everything, like you just kind of mentioned, zero zero expenditure, but that actually has the most uh, most profit because of the Richarlison sale. So they have, they're sitting on 52 mil that they really haven't used unless it's all going to wages or something else at the club I'm not sure of. Um, Man City in second in profit with 46 mil. Good for them. They still have some money to spend. I'm actually shocked they didn't go up to Cucurella harder with that. Usually they're what negative negative yeah, hundred. Uh, price of oil has been dropping recently, right? Yeah. Ooh, good call. Good call. <laughs> Tough times. <laughs> Five dollars gallon down to four fifty. Killing, <laughs> killing it. Any other clubs though stand out for you guys from a transfer perspective? Uh, I would say probably Leeds to only have a, if this is accurate, a net spend of basically even after all of the signings, the quality that they brought into their team is pretty incredible uh, for them, as well as Fulham only really outlaying 16 million uh, pounds so far with players like Bern Leto and uh, Kevin Mbappé coming in. So uh, for them in particular, I think really, really good window in order to strengthen yet still balance the books. Yeah, I'd say for me, Nottingham, um, like we talked about the week prior, anytime you see a team go out and, pretty much purchase a whole new 11 um for if they're in a uh, major red flag um we'll see if they got it right with the with the transfer strategy and hopefully those players have time to be cohesive together but um that the team in particular how they've been spending their money has been pretty interesting to me 
Yeah, I mean, third and that's been behind Arsenal and Chelsea, two top house, uh, top name clubs. And then they're right above Newcastle, who uh, I guess also can't spend as much because the oil is down. But yeah. uh, we'll see. How, I'm sure they're going to make at least one to two more signs before the uh, transfer window is over. So, yeah. You guys want to start with the predictions real quick or are you going to the, uh, the weekly recap? Uh, let's do a predictions. Yeah. Want to go predictions first? Let's, let's do the bold predictions. Fuck it. Bold predictions? All right, we'll go into bold predictions. So we start from the top. We're going straight down. What do we want to do here? Start with our champions and work our way? Or save that for um, last? I'd say just save that for last. Let's let's go. Yeah, let's go top that. Uh, bottom up. Bottom up. Okay. First manager sacked. I got Frankie <laughs> Lance, unfortunately. I, I would have to agree to that. I don't think Everton's in a place to be challenging for anything outside of safety and uh, – like I can't see Lampard lasting too long there. Um, I disagree. I think he will get sacked during the year, but I think the first manager sacked will be a relegation candidate team. Typically, that's the way it is. Not to say Everton aren't, but I do believe it's probably going to be Bournemouth and Scott Parker. I do love Scott Parker as a player, as a person, but unfortunately with that team and they what they've done so far uh, in the transfer window, I just – cannot see any sort of way that it's not him or potentially uh the not even forest manager to be honest scott scott was a close second for me i'm not gonna lie so like, i i definitely agree with that statement um i just i'm i'm, I'm pretty heavily down on everything this year and uh so i think lampard just gets the axe pretty quickly because i mean let's put it this way if they if they got really last season if he didn't pull like a little bit of magic out of the hat he was gone i think there too so i don't think his leash is very long Moving on, uh, who do you guys think is going to be the manager of the year? This was a t- tough one for me because, I mean, historically speaking, the manager of the year is always the team that wins the Premier League. I think we can all agree it's pretty much a two-horse race. But I yeah. kind of went out of the box because, like, there was years when um, when I, I thought that other managers outside of the title-winning manager should have been voted manager of the year. Um, Correct, absolutely. And so I, I went that avenue with this. And I actually think Antonio Conte is going to do the best job with what he has at his disposal this season than any other manager. I think you can put any manager in charge of City and Liverpool and they're going to end up in the one and two, no problem. But I think Con- uh, Antonio Conte is just a different breed. And I think he's going to have Spurs purring the way they were when um, when Maurizio Pochettino was at the helm a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, this award in particular and this prediction is – it's not always something I personally like because I think a lot of managers in their own way do an amazing job, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at like Grand Potter, who I have my crush on right now, uh, my manager crush, um, <laughs> someone who, who should win that award, right? But yeah. it's always going to go to Pep or it's always going to go to Klopp. Um, so that being said, I do think at the end of the year, it'll go to Pep. I think that's just kind of like the, the lock. But in terms of like who I think the actual manager of the year will be, um, I kind of get the feeling it's you're going to see Antonio Conte to to uh, Vito's point, like really pull it out and take the Tottenham team to another level that they haven't seen in a long time. Um, it'll be interesting, especially if they are able to win a trophy. To me, you're automatically manager of the year in anything. <laughs> <laughs> manager of the century. Are you kidding? <laughs> There'll be a statue of him. He'll be the first manager, not first manager statue, but <laughs> first Spurs manager statue. <laughs> Is he raising the Audi Cup? I mean, <laughs> we already won the uh, that preseason that preseason cup the in the game against Rangers. But I, I do think there is a high probability they win 
one of the two FA Cups or the um, Carabao Cup. I think that's a, there's a real chance there. So. There's nothing possible. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the generic right here. Um, I think Man City goes really well, and Pep wins it again, probably, for like the 19th time. I don't know how many times he yeah. got it. So. so. All right, who's, uh, who's got who's your guys' comeback player of the year? Someone that either had a bad season, injury-ridden season last year, something along those lines that, you know, this year they're going to step it the hell up. Yeah, I'll take that one first. So comeback player of the year. I honestly think from for, for us, this player came in, he had a big price tag attached to him. He was playing in the shadow of another player, uh, of a great, or you can say debatably the GOAT, um, for some people. I think this person is going to be Jaden Strancho. I think he finally lives up to that price tag. Ten Hag gets him moving exactly the way that he should be moving, and he knows how to utilize him correctly with, uh, as, a, as a real manager. Um, and he's able to really make him explode for Manchester United like he should. So I think well, those shots fired at Ole over there. And uh, yeah. I'm finish <laughs> off the German guy. I can't remember his name. Ragnick. 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 Yeah. yeah, no, I like this. <laughs> Seems like some hate right there. <laughs> well, you know, like they, it's Man U. They should be performing to a much better quality. And you know. I, I like the Jordan Sancho pick. That was I was back and forth between him and uh, Patrick Bamford, who I ended up settling on. Uh, Bamford had a fantastic year two seasons ago with Leeds United when they were when they were storming through, and then obviously last year, very very injury ridden and got very few minutes. But I think he's going to be back to his sparkling best this season. I think he's matured a little bit. We saw in the last game he played against Cagliari. I know it's a, a warm up match, but two goals off the bench. I think there's a lot more quality built around that team now that the focus for defenses are just going to be slightly less on him. That's going to allow him more of a chance to flourish. And I think he's going to come in swinging, especially with uh, the creativity that Leeds has been able to pick up this offseason. Yeah, you stole one for me, so I had to go deviate there. Um, so my comeback player, I actually chose Jack Grealish. Uh, obviously, live now living up to the price tag in year one over at Man City. Typically, that happens a lot of time with Pep and these guys, especially up front. But you take out Raheem Sterling, uh, you add Erlen Holland, uh, that's however many assists right there. But also there's so many so many other great players on the team that like he's not gonna have to be, like you said, with Bamford. Not all eyes are going to be on him. You know, a little little bit more time to flourish. He only played in 26 games last year, three goals, three assists. Yeah. There's no way in hell I don't think he repeats that again. So I would like I, I think an amazing season for him would be double digits in both. I think it's also easily possible for him. Um, especially given more stars and more game time. Definitely. I think when it's all said and done across all competitions, he'll hit that. Not just for the prem though, so I like that. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm ever since I don't know if you guys remember that video of when I think they were still in the championship back then, Villa. But um, yeah, they definitely were. With the dude walking the field, punch Grealish, punch and in the, the game goal. Yeah, <laughs> I've loved him ever since that moment. That's the most badass thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, that is so phenomenal. <laughs> oh, so we'll go to uh, a little bit more of a down, downward uh, vibe here. Let down team of the season. Someone you think basic. So let's put it this way, kind of how I, how how I was judging it was a team that let's just say should be finishing top half of the table, maybe battling relegation towards the end. So, okay. you know, you want to go first? There's only one answer for me, and that's got to be Everton. Um, I know Everton's in a, a little bit of shambles right now, having sold Richarlison. They're in a state of flux, barely surviving last year. And most people are probably aren't going to pick them to finish in the top half of the table this season even. But I still think regardless of that, they still have to be considered a letdown team. 
the quality on that roster and the pedigree that Everton have maintained in the league um, is only matched by a handful of clubs. And if memory serves, Everton's one of the few teams that's never been relegated before. They've never been in the second division. So for a team like that and for a history like that to now be thrown into jeopardy and, and relegation has to be considered my letdown team because I think it's they're going to be very close to that. Very reminiscent of when Aston Villa um, and Sunderland, or the, you know, the collapse that they had years ago, well, Sunderland currently, but, um, and for that reason, I think you have to stick with, I, I have Everton picked as my biggest letdown team this season. Yeah, this was a, this was honestly a tough one for me. Um, Cause I think there are two pretty prime candidates here that I have seen. And I kind of feel like we're going to take pretty big steps backwards if we're kind of talking about what they did in this previous season and where they we think they'll end up. Um, one of them is my relegation candidate. And I do think this is probably gonna be the biggest letdown team. Uh, Brentford from where they finished this year, I do think they just have not strengthened enough in the areas that they need to be at. And I, I like Thomas Frank a lot. He's a good manager. I love the fans. I love the way that they play as a team, but I think them not having Erickson is gonna expose them so much because he carried that team for so long in such a short period of time. Um, and in the winter, like we talked about it, they were atrocious for I think it's, you're going to see a lot of that. So. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's also, that's also a sophomore slump. We see it all the time. Look at Leeds last year. Um, they were on fire. The first year they came up, like definitely top half of the table. I forget how high they actually went, but. Seven almost. It's, it's not uncommon. It, to me, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I think it's getting harder for teams to transition from the championship into the Premier League. Oh, it's as more uh, the, the gap is the gap is huge. It's general. Right. It's all, it's, it feels like it's almost it, it's almost impossible for at least long term success for a lot of those teams. Like they're, I feel like they're just gonna constantly keep yo yoing up and down. Yeah, I, th- I think it's in the past. It's been a case of all right. Obviously, the t- the three teams coming up are going to be considered relegation candidates because they're new to the league, right? Obviously, but the difference between then and the, the, like how much you thought they were going to finish in the bottom to now is entirely different. Like you look at the teams coming up season after season now for the last two, three years, and you could almost never pick anyone outside of those three for the most part, almost ever. And I think that's a testament to how much money has been thrown at these teams that have been in the league for whatever, however long. And I think that's maybe what Nottingham Forest's plan has been when they've come in and they've thrown all this money at signing new players, because it's like, you have to do it when you have the chance when you're here because you stay up for three, four seasons and you submit, like Lester, you submit yourself. Yeah. Or so you thought. So my letdown team, <laughs> Lester City. Well, transition. <laughs> good transition. Great one. Thank you. I'm getting good at this. Um, I, I, I don't like anything that they're doing, right? They're getting a little older. They're dumping off people. Schmeichel's gone. I, I, I feel like almost a quarter of the team is going to get poached, right? There's already talks about Tielemans, uh, I think, to Madison, Arsenal. Madison, too, potentially could be going to Madison Newcastle. as well. Spurs, uh, like. Fofana, potentially. Like, it just, the list goes on and on. Um, and I'll just lead into – I mean, and it's been happening this entire time, I feel like, for them, too, right? Mara's standout player in that championship season got in the city. Like, so they've, they've, I feel like they've constantly getting poached. Uh with a chill while the show, like it just name player after player and they just leave. So, so you can only do that for so long, not reinvest into the squad with great players and then still continue to go on. We saw it at the end of last year, a little bit, like just kind of tailing off. They didn't, their goal was probably really to push for Europe and they, they, they couldn't compete. Mm-hmm. I, I'll kind of get into it too. I think if the core of that team gets disrupted, my left down player of the year is also going to be Jerry, uh, Jamie Vardy. 
Uh, if he's going to have no one around him supporting him, how how is he supposed to maintain that, you know, 13, 15, 18 goal pace that he's t- probably been on for like the last six years straight? Yeah, I think that's the – I think you see the transition happen here, at least for them. Um, Vardy's gotten older. The legs are not working like they used to, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Lester's basically my Everton from last year. I, I don't think they get relegated, but I think they come very damn close. I think Rodgers loses his job by the end of the year. Yes, absolutely. I honestly midseason. If they're if they're in the bottom, like if a manager becomes available, like a, a pretty solid manager, like comes available potentially, like maybe Mauricio. Who knows? Let's say that. If right? they're like, 14th or 15th in the table or lower, absolutely, he's gone. Yeah. I it, you know it just I feel like the wheels are turning off for him. Your point, no reinvestment. Not enough, not in the right spots. I mean, they've done a little bit. Like, I mean, we have Mike's boy, Daka, but like, is that enough? No. I mean, he was very prolific in the Austrian league, but again, that's the Austrian league. So we'll see if that translates. And he's shown glimpses of it, but. Oh, no, absolutely. But I mean, unless, unless him and like Harvey Barnes just go nuclear, I. I don't know. I mean, there's there's just no support behind them. I don't like the direction they're trending. Let's put it that way. All right. We also have a. This is probably my favorite category. uh, Breakout player of the season. Who's going to show up and make a name for themselves on the big stage? For me, I think it's. I'm going. uh, I'm going United States here. I'm going Brendan Aronson. He's already showed. I, I I really think he is, man. Like he he's, he was fantastic at Salzburg, even when he was playing in the Champions League. He was getting when he was getting minutes. He was came in, he was doing his business. He was absolutely killing it. And I think you're already seeing glimpses of that in the couple of games that he's played for Leeds so far. I think it's going to trend. He fits right into that system. He's uh, Medford Messi, man. He's he's good. He's so freaking good. I think he's going to. I was so wrong about initially when I saw like a year ago when they had those reports coming out about Aronson to Leeds. I was like, I just, I don't see it. I don't see him fitting in that league, like go to Germany first, but watching him play with Leeds now, God, they got him out of scout or a coach. Cause apparently I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, he looks, and again, pre, pre, it's preseason, but he looks fucking amazing. You know, like yeah. he looks absolutely amazing. He looks apart. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you, Vito. Um, I actually was gonna probably put him there too. If, if the, I saw you had him race, I didn't, I didn't want to uh, double up with anybody. But um, the the main reason I think so a lot of the time we see these guys come from from different leagues have a tough time adapting to the physicality of the Premier League and not being as prolific as maybe the, some might think. He had the same doubts and questions about him going out to the international stage at the U.S., and there was almost no barrier to entry for him. Every single game he showed up, he was probably one of our more consistent players and, like, best playmakers that entire World Cup qualifying. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying – listen, I'm not saying the CONCACAF is anywhere near the same amount as the Premier League. Was an ex- it is an extremely physical and difficult conference to – or whatever confederation to get to the World Cup with. Like, there's just – Plenty of teams that just batter you, especially the wingers. We've seen Pulse get injured or beat up constantly. And I feel like Aronson for him, yeah, it didn't really affect him nearly as much. Um, we did skip over one thing, though. You want to do uh, your surprise team? Yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, the Leeds train here. I'm, I think Leeds are going to outperform a lot of people's expectations regardless of the finish they had last year. I think everything's starting to come together for them. 
in, in preseason. And I, I don't want to completely discount that, even though it is preseason, um, because I think that the, the pieces that they have made moves for have been the correct pieces for their system. I think the players that they've brought in and this format and the style that they play, everything is, is going to gel very nicely for them. And I think a lot more quickly than people would, would expect, you know, to your point, Steve, with uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, you, you see a lot of times teams come up and make all these signings and they don't gel. But I think Leeds is going to be the exception to that. I think they're going to gel very quickly. And I think they're going to be very fluid in attack, almost like Vizsla, but now with the defense, with Tyler Adams in the midfield anchoring there as well. Yeah, they're also like disciples of Jesse Marsh too, right? A couple from Salisbury, yeah. uh, Adams yeah. from Lesbing. So it, it, I think he went after certain players specifically that he wanted, maybe the ones he likes that he's worked with in the past. Yeah. But um, what about you, Mike? Uh, for surprise player, you said? Team, right? Surprise player, team, just do both, knock them off. Um, so I guess I'll, two parts to that. So the breakout player, I do think the player who, I guess, or maybe not, not a breakout. Cause he, you're right. He, no, never mind. All right. Breakout player. I think it's going to be Fabio Carvalho, Carvalho, however you say his last name on Liverpool. Um, I think he's going to get serious minutes uh, for that team and come in and be able to just fit in and play that like role right underneath uh, Darwin and Luis Diaz and Salah, and he's going to fit like a glove when they need him to come in and put in like a solid 30 minutes or a heck of a halftime shift or something along those lines. Kid's super young, highly sought after. They purchased him from Fulham. They plan on using him. I think he steps in and makes a serious impact. Um, and he'll, he'll see his name uh, get a lot bigger, a lot quicker. Yeah, so actually before they got relegated, if you remember like two seasons ago, um, during the campaign, towards the end of the year, he actually started start, he started for them a uh, decent yeah. amount and got some minutes in. Um, then he killed it. Obviously, he killed it in the championship last season um, to get the transfer over to Liverpool. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think it, as long as he can get the game time over there, I think he'll show up. Yeah, I, I think he will. And then for a breakout team, a surprise team, um, this might not come as too much of a surprise, but I do think Newcastle, the signings that they're making, the way that they're spending their money, the team they're building around Eddie Howe, um, I think they're going to shake a lot of trees um, and they're going to really be able to ruffle feathers. I, I don't know. Is that the right saying? Am I saying that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they're, they're going to be a lot higher than people might guess. I don't think they obviously get to like a Champions League or a, maybe they teeter on like the European Conference League, but I still they finish top half table. I think that they make a pretty big leap. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd imagine there's some people's dark horses that finish up the, uh, up near the European spots, no doubt, on um, the way they've spent, obviously, and then with how they looked the second half of last season. Um, absolutely. Uh, my breakout player, I I guess he kind of already broke out a little bit last year. I think he just takes a really big step forward. Um, is Michael Lise over in Crystal Palace. They're also my surprise team of the year. I think they have a really good chance to push for the Conference League as well. Um, I know that might be above what some people think, but they have so many good young core pieces over there that – it's all fitting. When you look at if as he's back and healthy too, if I'm not mistaken, last year was Zaha's uh, best goal campaign. I think he had 14 last year, the United in the Premier League. I don't think that's any surprise. He's had to carry that team, that, that club for quite a while. And when he finally got support behind him with Elise, you got Ezzy, you got Connor Gallagher, it's not surprising me that he, he had his best turnaround with goals. Mm. So I, I think that continues again for him. And then Elise is also a big part of that. He knocked in two goals and five assists last year. I'm not saying he's going to double digits in both, but I would say probably close to double digit in assists and maybe like 
seven, eight goals as well. Yeah. Probably a pretty good year for him. I, I would imagine this is the season. The reason I chose him as a breakout player is I think this is the season where you start seeing other clubs come to poach him. Yeah. You'll start seeing rumors about him come out pretty soon. He's, he's, a, yeah, I don't, I don't see him unfortunately staying a palace player for, for very long. He's a very talented player. Very talented. So, moving on to the, uh, the last man to beat top clean sheets in the league. Are we all in agreement on this one? No. Oh, my okay. had to be different. All right, good. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think this category needs too much explanation. I. I have Allison beating out Ederson this year for the, for the Gold Glove. Yeah, I, I just think Liverpool has no more complete defense. Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, Ederson. I think Ederson. So. It is what it is. Pretty sure it should be different. Uh, top assist with Erlen Holland's debut in the Man City. I can't see anyone other than KDB. Seems like yeah. a rather obvious choice. I'm sorry, I couldn't be more more appealing to some of the people. Yeah, I again chose to be different. Um, I do think KDB gets his. He'll definitely get his assist. Um, I think you're gonna see a kind of a surprise, or maybe not a surprise, but I think Trent Alexander Arnold's. I think he tops it honestly with all the people he's able to feed in with Darwin, Firmino, Salah, Luis Diaz. I mean, even Robertson on the other flank. Fuck if he makes the overlapping runs. Um, He's, he's an unbelievable striker of the ball. He's an unbelievable playmaker. I think he has a real shot to do it. That's like bold, but also understandable. It's not far-fetched at all. I mean, he, he's yeah. he's won it before, hasn't he? And he's been close one or two times outside of that. So it's not like – he's definitely in my top three. I, I spent a lot of time going back and forth with KDB and him, and I, I just ended up on KDB because City finally having a nine is just going to be hor- hor- uh, horrifying. They have a better Aguero and younger, like and bigger, pacier, bigger, like <laughs> they downloaded scary. Point <laughs> to Holland. Do you, do you, I mean, if this was to be the season to do it, you think he breaks breaks the uh, assist record? KDB. Yeah. No. Well, not this season because I have Trent. <laughs> <laughs> Can they both break it? Trent just goes higher. That's true. Um, I don't think he breaks the assist record, but I think he gets pretty damn near close. So, we shall see. Uh, top scorer, who's getting the golden boot this year, guys? So, obviously, there's a couple easy choices here. You can do your Hollands, you can do your Canes, you can even make a dark horse bet for Gabriel Jesus. He's been tearing it up for Arsenal, but I'm gonna go with the person who's tried and true. Um, he puts up consistent numbers all the time and loves to flop around and get his penalties. That'd be Mohamed Salah. Uh, <laughs> I do think Salah will take it home again this year. He'll be the sole outright winner this year, as good as a season Sun had. I don't see him replicating that, um, unfortunately. But Salah doesn't flop, yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is that's a tough one too because like. I don't. I actually have Salah as well, but I don't think Salah is going to finish outright as the the Golden Boot winner in open play goals. I think the fact that he's going to take every single penalty that appears in uh, yeah. Liverpool is going to be the thing that pushes him over the edge. Something that that yeah. Erling Holland doesn't have, um, but obviously something that Harry Kane probably does. But I think Salah is going to take it because Liverpool just create too many goals and create too many penalties. Understandable. Uh, I want the kind of generic choice here. I think Harry Kane has a great season. Antonio Conte under under the helm there. We already kind of mentioned him as possibly being the manager of the year. I think he has a moving groove. And truthfully, 
I'm um, very torn on Tottenham in general as a top four team. I think they get it. I honestly think they even put even a better push than Chelsea did in third place last year. I think they challenge. I'm not gonna say they want to challenge for the title by any means. I think they fall towards the end of the year, but as a kind of a, a next tier underneath Liverpool yeah. and uh, Man City. Yeah, I, I, I think they're honestly they're frankly the best team. I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised you said uh, Kane potentially has uh, the most goals. I think he'll get his, but where I think he might surprise a lot of people this year is in that assist category. I think you're going to. He did the one year, didn't he? Lead in both, I think. He won both. I think, yeah. I think he's going to. There's a real probability the way with Conte likes to play and having Kane drop in like that, he just really tears it up with the assists. So. I think he's still the leader on the team. He's got it. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to the um the bottom half of the table here. The top your top three candidates to be unfortunately relegated down to the division below, known as the championship. Yeah, I, th- I think all three of us picked uh, Burnmouth and Nottingham to be two of the three going down. So, um, I think for me at least that's a no brainer. I think really the third place is where a lot of the question marks are going to be. I actually have Fulham staying up this year. I have Southampton going down. I think they're they're in a similar vein to where Leicester were, where they let all of their players go, but they're a little more far progressed with it than Leicester at this time, right? You're going to rely almost exclus- exclusively on James Ward-Prowse to get you goals at this point, point. and um, they didn't perform that great year last year, obviously, and I think this year is going to be even step back. Yeah, Southampton's that's that's a dark horse of a choice for relegation, but if you're a betting man, I'm sure that'd probably be a solid solid odds right there that it can get you some good money. Um. I agree with you about Nottingham and about Bournemouth. I do not think for various reasons why either team should still be in the Premier League by the end of it. Um, for Bournemouth, I just don't think they have quality. For Nottingham, they have some quality. But again, you bring in 11 players, it's major to me, red flag. Uh, third choice, I think it's going to be very close between uh, Fulham and Brentford, but I do think Fulham squeak out, and you see that sophomore slump really hit Brentford. Like I said, I think they really take a step back, and they ultimately get themselves relegated this year, because they don't fill that void of where Erickson was. Understandable. Um, yeah, I'm with you guys, born with Nottingham as well. My third team to get relegated is going to be Everton. I just don't think they replaced replace it. Tarkowski really? coming in. Yeah, dude. It, wow. feels, it feels weird. To, it feels weird to say. I, all right, so I also had like four candidates who I think could fill this this spot. Yeah, legitimately fill it. Brentford was one. Yep. Um, Southampton was another. It was Everton. Fulham. It was yeah, Fulham. Like I said, Leicester. I think do enough to stay up, but not they. They they're probably going to be candidates for my following year. No, no, like no doubt about it. But yeah, it was basically those four. Any of them I think are going to be in there. I think we're going to see a really, really good race like we did last year to stay up like a survival race. But I think yeah, Everton did for me. Um, Tarkowski coming in, that's still really good, no doubt about it. Um, Dwight coming in, good, creative. But losing Charleston is, I think, a lot. Calvert-Lewis had some injury uh, injury problems in the past. And if he goes down to – who's their striker, like Rondon? Uh, it's like him and – still there. Yeah, him and uh, Anthony Gordon and Alex Awobi. Right. Yeah. Um. Just not loving the names there that I'm seeing. No. So they didn't really invest much else uh, other than that into the squad. And I don't. I truthfully just don't think it's enough. That yes, they survived last year on pure town alone towards the end of the year. I. Uh, they still have Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. What's up? He's just injured. Yeah, he's no, just... I'm saying like yeah. When when he gets hurt though, who's who's stepping up? Oh yeah, yeah. Um. 
And truthfully, I dude, I love I love Frank Lampard to death being a Chelsea supporter. I I just don't think he's a good manager. He's he's skipped this. We talked about this. He skipped a step in his evolution yeah. as a manager. Yeah, um, he came too fast in the Premier League, and I just don't. Yeah. I, I I don't think he's at that level yet. And I, I don't. And I'm not saying he won't be. I think he will be. I think he'll figure it out eventually. I just I, I just don't think he's capable of leading a team right now and a team that's in turmoil. I just don't think he's the right guy at the helm. Maybe took like. I don't know, someone like like Roy Hodgkin and put him in this situation. Everton stay up, yeah. Or Big I, Sam. Big Sam, baby. Sick. Big Sam? Oh, my God, absolutely, yeah. Speaking of which, and Calvert-Lewin, too, uh, as of yesterday, freak knee injury one month. No. Yeah. No. Wait, are you dead serious? I didn't even see that. I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious, yeah. faces month out with freak knee injury. Oh no! Then we play Completely made that decision, but now I stand by it tenfold. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, so man. I mean, unless unless Demar is Demar Gray still there, he didn't go anywhere, right? So yeah. unless, unless he's popping in those three goals in the beginning of the year again to help them get nine points right away, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a dreadful season for them, I think. And Salomon Rondon's um, actually suspended for the first couple of games because of a red card at the end of last year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Does Frank make it out of September? <laughs> I'm taking Green Day right now, Mike. <laughs> Wake me up with September end. <laughs> what, what What are the odds on that? I might go on Fanduel real quick. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> Yo, I really, I, I had no idea about the Calvin Lewin dream. That's funny. Not funny. Sorry, oh. Calvin. Um. <laughs> yeah, nuts. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to more happier times. Uh, let's, let's head up to you guys' top four race. Uh, this one, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're obviously very clear with Man City, Liverpool. So let's just really talk about the other two teams. Yeah. So in order, I guess I'm gonna go City. I think they just hit another gear with the Holland signing. I think they really blow it out of the water. Liverpool put them up to the end, second place, um, but they're not going to have enough juice. Those are the top two, cream of the crop. Third, I have Spurs. I think Spurs, um, not just biasly, but statistically, they were one of the best teams once Conte came in charge. Now that he's had a whole preseason, he's got him getting a lot more signings that he wants. I think they really just kind of separate themselves from kind of that fourth spot a little bit. Um, they'll put up a little bit of a challenge, but to your point, Steve, earlier, they're not going to put too much of a fight they might have another say in the title race itself where they have that win against city or that win against liverpool or that draw mm-hmm. that totally fucks up the, the table um probably like the, i'd say the first half of the season they, they make a really solid push at it and like challenge and then like you know january window like that that, that time of the year i feel like when they start to like maybe fade exactly. off a little bit all, all the games start piling in that's when they'll that's when they'll slow down and then uh, in the world cup too <laughs> and then um for fourth place, um, I'm not going to like saying this, but I do think they're the fourth best team, uh, at least depth-wise on paper. Uh, and we'll see at the end of the year how it all shakes out. But Arteta and Arsenal, I think they are able to finally get Champions League again. Um, I think Jesus is fitting in really nicely. The players they're bringing in are fitting the scheme. Um, so it, I think it's theirs to lose. I feel that's probably the most popular top four that I'm seeing um, on the different Twitter accounts, um, online articles, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I definitely agree with you to certain points. And plus Arsenal, too, I, I don't know if this will affect anything, but you, you mentioned the World Cup. 
Yeah. There's a good chance guys like Ramsdale, Ben White aren't even in Southgate's yeah. lineups. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, ha- like, having them stay back, train with the squad. Like, it, Have a month off, literally. Yeah, that, that could really work towards their advantage, potentially. I, I, and when you have so many other guys coming back from their tired. So, it, um, yeah, Arsenal makes plenty of sense. Yeah, I, about you, I, David, I completely agree. Spurs finishing third. I think they're definitely the third strongest team. Um, I think they're the, not only strong on paper in terms of the quality of players they have at each position, but in terms of team cohesion and the way they play and the way Conte has them set up and everything else, I think Spurs will, will slide in that third spot. I don't think it'll, it'll be a doubt for them in the fifth, unless there's like some crazy surprises coming, which obviously there always is. But um, I went back and forth for a long time with Arsenal and Chelsea finishing in that fourth spot. And same. Regardless of the fact that I'm a Chelsea fan, I unbiasedly think that Chelsea will have that last spot for two critical reasons. One being, as good as Gabriel Jesus is, he's never led the front line for an entire yeah. campaign. He's yeah. unproven in that regard, and until that happens, it's hard for me to put my eggs in that basket. Coupled with the fact that Chelsea's a squad of players who have been there and done it before, and we've seen how crit- uh, critical that's become um, yeah. in the Premier League year over year with Leicester slipping up from the top. Wolves have been close. West Ham have been close. And it's always the team with the, the, the players who have won the Champions League or been in the top four consistently that end up squeaking it out. And for that reason, until I see Arsenal put this full season together under their belt and really have Jesus turn up to be the number nine City thought he was when they first signed him, I think I'd take Chelsea just to slightly, slightly edge out Arsenal in that fourth spot. Would you rather, I'm curious – keep if you could would you from chelsea's perspective have jesus lead the line or keep havertz leaving the line Ooh, that's actually that's a really good, good question. question and i honestly would say gabriel jesus yeah i i think kai's too inconsistent in front of net he's very slow and lethargic in his movement he's not going to beat players yeah he's a little bit bigger and bulkier and he can win the ball in the air a bit better than jesus but in terms of his link up play i think jesus outplays Kai Havertz, I think he's a little bit quicker on the turn than Kai Havertz as well. And I think in front of goal, one-on-one, you bank on Jesus scoring before you bank on Kai Havertz scoring. I think he's ultimately the difference between Champions League and no Champions League is him having that full season. So if he's able to do that and stay healthy. Yeah. So I, I get it. Tough one. I'm also with Jesus. Not by a ton. That, that, that's, that's, a really, that's a really good question. Um, I'm also with Vito. Spurs then Chelsea is that fourth spot. Um, again, not by much. So the reason being, like you mentioned, the whole Jesus thing and how he might be a better striker, and that's why they might get pushed over the edge. While I agree with that statement, we lost Lukaku as our big money signing on loan, and hopefully sell him very soon. But um, like Vito mentioned, it's nothing Chelsea hasn't done before. Nice. Um, probably not not watching on a video. Vito just completely missed his mouth on a white wall. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, Lukaku had eight Premier League goals last year. It's not a big hole to fill. Yeah. So a lot of the squads are already been pumping in goals, assists, and pr- production from other places. I think it's just gonna be more of the same that for Chelsea. Then the other other knock you can say on them is defensively they lost. There are two center backs, Rudiger and uh, Christensen. Okay. Silva was hurt a decent amount last year. He's back. We picked up Gulabale. Uh, I'm, I'm, from what I'm seeing and assuming just throughout the squad, 
uh, Chaba is going to make his, his basically first team debut for like the entire season. Not to saying he's starting every game, but he's going to pretty much pop up. And he played excellent last year. He popped in quite a few goals, too. He even had one banger. Um, and Espelicueta. And Espelicueta just signed back. And he's potentially probably one of the most versatile defenders we've ever seen. He's played at a high level at right back, left back, and center back for us for the last 10 years. Easily could slide in as a fourth center back, put him on the right side. I probably would actually rather see him at center back this year, given pace potentially uh, with issues, but you don't know with uh, Reese James as long as he's healthy and stuff. So, yeah, I I think this we got over Arsenal just because of the experience that they have already doing so. Yeah, but it's it's I I, I thought for like a solid twenty minutes on that one, like legitimately just going back and forth. I had I actually had Arsenal in there originally, but then I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I also think too Chelsea at this point have probably the most intelligent, probably strong back line in the Premier League at this point. I know Liverpool have Trent Alexander, Arnold, Robertson, Konate, Van Dyke, etc. But the intelligence level between Thiago Silva, Azpilicueta, and Koulibaly, in my opinion, is completely unmatched. And Reese James has already proven he's top two right backs in the league at this point. Just between him and Trent, and you can make the argument he's He's a little bit better than Trent because of his defensive capabilities. I think the back line for Chelsea is something that has been in question marks for three years, four years now, which we're not used to seeing with this team. But it, I think it's the best in the league now at this point. Um, and I think if, that's going to propel them over the line too. If James and Chilwell stay healthy, I yeah, you usually make a case that they're the best, they're the two best outside back combo in the league. Like, yes, yes you have Trent and Robertson, no doubt. Like, I'm not saying they're they're bad by any means. Um, Kinsella and Walker, not bad at all either, but like that's just like it's a compliment to just Chilwell and, and James, like how much, how far they've come and grown so, re- uh, so much recently on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I, and I think also playing in two goal system as wingbacks fits them perfectly. Yeah. So if you told me Tuchel wasn't the head, like if he, if he went as well with all the big changes, I would probably be more skeptical of Chelsea finishing, new, new manager and stuff like that. But a lot of the core is still there. I, I just can't. I don't see them faltering. Not saying the other teams haven't gotten better, so I, I think they have. But, yeah, I mean, listen, Bully Splash the Cash, he's getting good players. Cucurillo is coming, too, so you add him to the mix. You're probably getting rid of Alonzo, Anderson. So. Yeah, I mean, in my in my opinion, I honestly think – I do think Chelsea – It's tough, but I – What you say? You kind of broke up a little bit on my screen. Oh, you're the one who broke up. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so- <laughs> you're the asshole <laughs> um no saying, up for me there boys i was saying in my opinion though like i honestly think chelsea because of, like i think they rode their luck towards the end of the season and were able to squeak out a top four spot like just barely and i feel like this the lack of a true nine is going to really come back to bite them and fuck them in, in down this season i think that's where they're going to ultimately get screwed and i am even willing to say that i don't have them getting jumped by Man U, but I think it's going to be very close. And I think Ten Hag is going to make Man U a lot more prominent than people realize. And he'll get a lot closer than people realize to that top six or that top uh, top four. So, Yeah, I think the top four race and the survival race are going to be just as good as they were last year. There's yeah. four teams that can make top four other than Liverpool and Man City. And then there's four teams that can probably slide into the last relegation spot that we have. Yeah. I it, I think it's gonna be just as good. I mean, we had we had literally two photo finishes last season, which is insane. So let's move on though. So just top four. 
Who's taking the trophy? Uh, City, no, no question. <laughs> you sign Erling Holland, you're adding a nuclear bomb into like, I don't know, like, bomb. <laughs> yeah, like, the, like you know, like the one in uh, Armageddon when Bruce Willis goes to like the meteor and he has to go put the bomb in the meteor and blow it up. Like then they have basically click the button. That's, that's what they're. That's what they're. they're Armageddon. They're at there. It's, it's a Premier League Armageddon. Like I'm not. Kidding. It's that big of a moment here. It's a watershed moment. I think they changed the game. I think it's an. Yeah. I'm sorry. Then the question is if they do they get to 100 points or not. Yes. I'm with you. All right, Vito, play devil's advocate. Tell us why you chose Liverpool. Liverpool doesn't <laughs> know why you're wrong. Let's try. Let's try talking. This one. I chose Liverpool for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think. Everyone is overlooking Darwin Nunez way too much. I think he has the ability to do the same thing that Erling Holland's going to do for Manchester City, especially because Liverpool and City are built exactly the same way. They are teams that thrive because they're built on attacking football, right? They're absolutely built that way. And Liverpool is different in their replacements than Manchester City, though. City needed a different type of player. They needed a different style of player in Arling and when they went out, got Erling Holland. And that's going to change things up slightly in terms of the way they play. Now they, now being able to chuck balls into the box or bounce players off that number nine. And if he comes back a little bit, nothing is going to miss a beat for Liverpool. They've replaced everyone they've lost with the exact style of player who is just as good. Luis Diaz and Diego Jota are going to fill that Sadio Mane size hole without a concern, without a problem. And Darwin Nunez is just an upgrade on Roberto Firmino. And that's why I think Liverpool have the slight edge over City because they're not going to have to change anything that they do. Everything they're doing is exactly the same ingrained in their ways. And it, they're going to succeed because of that. City still has that slight question mark is if they can go back to co now coping with a real number nine instead of this intricate play on the outsides of the box. And that's what I'm curious to see. And that's why I give Liverpool a very slight edge. Do you think the World Cup plays a big part in this title race? Like... Yeah, uh, yes and no. No, no, no. They're all going to have their starting 11 basically in the World Cup for the most part. Like, everyone's going to be tired. Everyone's going to have tired legs. It's not like it's Fulham where, you know, their players aren't going to the World Cup potentially and they're going to get a month to rest and prepare for five games, you know. Plus, these are if professionals it, with depth on their team. If it was happening later in the season, don't forget to, uh, for those that don't, don't remember, the five sub rules in effect this season for the Premier League. So the deeper squads, I think, are also going to have a much bigger advantage, um, as we kind of saw after, uh, during Project Restart, uh, how, how that played out. Um, if it was happening later in the season, I would agree with you, Mike, where I think it does play a, a relatively pretty big part. Um, given that it's in November, before the Christmas fixtures and all that kind of stuff, I... There's still so much time here. You have an entire half a season to gain back points, so I don't think it should play a part, but I, I could be wrong. Um, I could see you know, what you mean by like that with Nunez and stuff. Like, If I'm not mistaken, he had 26 goals last year in the Portuguese yeah. League, um, and they had another six in the Champions League. So you're like – Holland did the same thing basically in Germany. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying by any means a like for like swap, but yeah. he, showed, like, he showed up in the Champions League against good competition. I think um, – but if you can make it to the last eight last year, right? We made the mid quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, it, while I can see the case, I'm with Mike. We added, we made it an atomic bomb nuclear or vice versa. I don't know which one's which for all you science nerds out there. Um, 
it just it seems like we just put the button in like Kim Jong Un's hand, and just, he's and he, he's crazy enough to blow it up. <laughs> best best example I got in that one. We'll, we'll see. And every every year we talk about it, and it always comes down to the last game of the season for like what the past three of the four years for the most part. Like realistically, it, it's been right like one point two of the last four years. Yeah, City ran away with one, but other than that, it was it was literally within a, within a point. Yeah, yeah, and Liverpool like, won by like I think like a couple points when they won the title that year, right? Maybe, was it? maybe one game, maybe one game to go or Something two games like to that. go. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, it wasn't much. So, but let's head into the first game week, boys. We got one starting up as as uh, people listen to this. Hopefully, before beforehand, you know, gets this one out early. Uh, <laughs> Friday afternoon slash night, if you're you know in Europe, we have a few fans in Brussels actually. So, <laughs> shout out Brussels. <laughs> shout out over there. Um, Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. What are you guys feeling? I don't I think so. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting match, actually, because, Steve, I, I do agree with your your prediction that Crystal Palace are going to be a bit of a dark horse this year in terms of the quality they put out in the field. Um, but I still think that Arsenal's just steamrolling teams. Look what they did, what they did to Chelsea. Um, and it's, it's going to be a tight match, but I think ultimately Arsenal will run out about 2-1 winners. Yeah. Um, I think it's just too much – too much for Crystal Palace to handle opening day. Not to say they won't have a great season, but I, I only see Arsenal winning this game. And what are you smiling at? No, keep going. You know, he's putting in our, pred- our prediction. I put the prediction like, already. I know he's going to say. <laughs> you're, damn, you're damn right. I'm taking a draw. Arsenal. They're going to spoil Vieira's home. It's, uh, it's in uh, the Emirates. Oh, no, it's at uh, Sellers Park. Yeah, it's at uh, Sellers. Yeah. I, I don't think uh, Vieira was able to get the draw or the win. So Arsenal win. Zaha pops in the uh, like a, a game time penalty in like the seventy fifth minute. I don't know something along those lines. Yeah. Um, no, I I really think Palace give the game. Listen, it's also the opener of the season, right? No team knows who they are yet. No one has an identity just yet. Um, we only seen preseason, and granted, yes, Arsenal looked very good. Palace had a never quit attitude last year. There were so many games they could have they could have got more points off of from good teams yeah. too. Um, they're a really, really good team. Strong young core. I, it's early, like I said, right? Like, listen, Brentford versus Arsenal last year, three 0 Brentford. <laughs> yeah, Selhurst Park also too. On a side note, is a you know change it, you know, change it to a win. Give me Crystal <laughs> Palace. Yes, Selhurst Park is a fucking fortress. That place gets loud. Yeah. It's rambunctious in there. You think Chris Richards gets any time? Do we see a Chris Richards sighting? Maybe. Well, who's their starting center back? You got Gahey. Who who goes next to him typically? I'm trying to remember. Anderson, Anderson, I think. Something I don't like that. My head. I think it's like something. I think it's an Anderson. But yeah. I would love for that to happen. If we get a Gahey and Richards partnership, that'd be amazing. So, uh, Fulham versus Liverpool. Anyone got a case for Fulham? Shock in the world here? No. <laughs> Thought I asked. All right, Liverpool it is. Um, Bournemouth versus Aston Villa. I, I love the, I'd love to see some opening day magic by one new coming team. I just don't like pretty much any of their matchups. So give me Ashton Villa. Yeah, I I think so too. I think I'm, I think Villa are a really good team. I think they're very underrated. I think they're going to have a strong season this year. Um, and I could picture in Coutinho running circles around a lot of teams. Yeah, Villa. He almost won the Premier League for Liverpool last year. So. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle versus Nottingham Forest. 
Um, As Mike and I have mentioned already, not him. Literally throwing out a new starting 11, give me a little bit more stability with uh, Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. Tottenham versus Southampton. Do we have a Tottenham just fumbling to begin the year? <laughs> right that, would be, start. that would be on par. That'd be. It would be. <laughs> it would be very much. Of course. Uh, I think it's a Tottenham win. Every time Spurs seemingly play Southampton, either Fraser Foster has the game of his life, uh, and they signed him, so that's not possible. Or Harry Kane. <laughs> he took away the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> or Harry Kane and Youngman's son put up like five goals apiece. Um, I think it is August, though, but he kind of broke that duck a little bit like last year, two years ago. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be nothing but a Spurs win. Yep. Fair, very fair. Uh, Lee Toasting Wolves. Draw zero zero one one zero zero one one zero scoreline coming in. No, I, I think honestly, of all the games that are slated for the opening week, I think this is the most. I like this one a lot. Yeah, um, I still think that Leeds is going to take the win. I still have them as my surprise team this year, and I think they're going to pick up where they left off. I think it's a statement game um, at home for Leeds, and I think Wolves just aren't going to be they able started to start slow last year. They didn't start like three one zero losses in a row to start the season last year for them. Yeah, I uh, I think Wolves attacking is is very limited. Um, I don't see them honestly putting up multiple goal games throughout the season too often again. Um, I also think I almost we, actually chose Jimenez for my my uh, letdown player of the year. I was very close to doing really. So. Yeah, yeah, I could see I, why you'd think that. Um, I don't know, just something about their offense. You know, what I mean, just he didn't really get much distribution. He came off the injury, wasn't looking at like himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think you're probably going to see a Wolves and Leeds draw here, a one-one draw. Yeah, I feel yeah, I'm with Mike on that. Give me the one-one draw. It, it feels like it's going to be a very cagey affair. Uh, Leeds obviously has more structure underneath um, Jesse than they did uh, Bielsa by by a lot. Yeah. Um, they'll get forward, but Wolves is no slouch defensively by any means either. So. Yeah. Um, tough. It'll be a Leeds yeah. with a lot of the ball there, and then yeah. Wolves. Nick and something. Give me leads. Yeah, give me a draw there, but like leads with like a bunch of missed opportunities to put it away. Yeah. Uh, Everton hosting Chelsea. Anything other than Chelsea here? Look, Chelsea lost to a primary. Uh, probably. Chelsea lost to an MLS team in penalties, but Everton lost 4-0 in that regular time. So under those, <laughs> I'm taking Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chelsea. <laughs> they did take this fixture at the end of last year. It was actually very crucial to Everton staying up. So I think that might leave a lasting impression with a couple of uh, people. And Chelsea kind of deliver a nice little three three nil uh, butt whooping to start the year. Yeah. Uh, Leicester hosting Brentford, two of my potential relegation candidates here. <laughs> That's gonna be a blog game. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, uh, I mean, listen, I, two good strikers in Tony and, and Vardy, so this this one could potentially pop off. Again, I just don't see. I, I just don't see the distribution to Tony. I don't see how he bangs and the goals that they need so with that in mind um even though they won their opening game against arsenal like we said last year i do not see that magic reoccurring i think they lose probably one or two nothing to luster yeah i'm feeling draw it's like written all over it just it yeah. feels like a black game yeah I, I think so too i don't know i don't know a better word to describe it it's gonna go early for the rest of the season yeah, I mean, dude, Leicester was what did we call him last year, Jekyll and Hyde, pretty much. Yeah, like you never, you literally had no idea what you were getting. I mean, they could light the world on fire, then look like absolute garbage the next week. Exactly. 
So, uh, man, you hosting Brighton. It's actually another pretty good one, too, in my opinion. Um, I know Brighton hasn't strengthened up much. They're going to lose Cucurella very sh uh, shortly as well. But they somehow always seem the way to squeak out victories, no matter the lack of squad depth or investment into the team. Grand Potter's just a magical genius. Yeah. I think these are two very good tactically sound coaches going head to head at each other. So from that perspective, this game is going to be very interesting. Um, and I think they do everything they can to cancel each other out. And this game ends in like a one, one draw. I think you'll see some awesome build up play though. That just doesn't amount in good finish. I don't know. And I think any team that plays like Manchester United has during preseason, I'm going to give them the first game of the season. I, I honestly, I don't think a team in, in Europe looked better than Manchester United during preseason. But that's so typical of a letdown in game one. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm still going to take him. I still think they can squeak it out. I doubt Ronaldo's going to play. He's just went did his first training or whatever recently. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I know, but their counterattacking looks so good. Uh, that's hard. I'm going to, yeah. I mean, the way I see it, you go with the person who's been there, done it. He's got the team cohesion where he wants it to be. Ten Hag's still feeling his players out. That's why I, I think. Potter has the advantage in that sense, but man used to get one. That's why I'm saying a draw. Yeah. I'm going to get like one good upset this week. You know, it's going to happen. We feel like we, we chalked the shit out of this. It's the next game. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Next game. I was thinking week too. All right, give me man you win. And, then last, and last but not least, I guess we kind of alluded to it a little bit here. Uh, West Ham versus Man City. West Ham's a weird team, man. Such a weird team. Can beat anyone. Or you're absolutely just uh, You're not scared. Uh, They'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Man City and be like, all right, we popped in eight goals today. Well, you get five, we get five. Who knows? Like, it, it, oh. Dude, the only teams that are beating City this year are the top six. I'm sorry. There's no one else is going to beat them. Unless there's a gigantic fluke and it happens one time. City's not dropping points against these teams. All right. I'm gonna, you just I'm gonna, give, me the, give me the West Ham win. West Ham yeah, win? I'm, I'm, I'm going to put West Ham win also. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with it. Let me explain why. Last year, <laughs> they, they play Spurs. They lose, what, uh, one nothing, right, to Tottenham opening day. Whenever West Ham plays teams like this, they always punch well above their weight. Well, wait. Um, and I think you're gonna see that with this West Ham team coming in, firing at all cylinders because they usually look really good that first half of the year and then they typically die out. And this will be Manchester City's like one out of two losses this year. It'll be this game. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you might as well get out of the way early, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with Mike though, dude. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna surprise a team like this one's to do it, so he at the last. Five matches they've played. West Ham have not won one, but they've drawn three, and the two they lost were by one goal, both away at Man City. Anytime they've played at home, they drew with them. So at the very minimum, that's a very good opportunity. Um, and now I'm just going to take a Jared Bowen masterclass here. <laughs> Jared Bowen. <laughs> I have no other explanation for that. I'm just doing it. Besides the fact that Vito said Man City was going to like just dominate them. So that, that's, that's bold predictions. We need, listen, we need one upset. We know that's going to happen. It's the opening games, games of the season. Um, we pretty much chalked up the rest of it. Now you, Jinx. Any other ones, though? If you like had to, had to pick like some, like someone, like one crazy one? If I, I could see. If upset, it would have been Palace over at Arsenal. 
Yeah. That's not an upset. Dallas is dominating. Yeah, yeah it would. That definitely be an upset. Absolutely be an upset. Yeah, I think the Brighton over Man U one would would probably be the most like next likely. Um, but I think Man U just has a little bit too much in the tank up up top. Yeah, maybe Everton over Chelsea potentially. Looking back, Bournemouth over Villa opening day just drama right there. Bournemouth at home, newly promoted, never easy to go play play a stadium like that. Um, Villa made a bunch of new offseason signings as well. It didn't work out for him last season to start off. So, George is a different manager than Mike Dean was, no doubt. But just some thoughts there. Right. Me and Mike probably put ourselves well behind because well, well behind. <laughs> it's all right. Don't forget, Mike took the Brighton United draw. <laughs> I, mean, I was about to, I was about to, I was so close to taking the Brighton win. So close. This is gonna be a fun season. <laughs> I can't. Anything else, fellas? No, man. Twelve hours. That's all I know. Well, a little longer. Very, very, very excited to finally watch some good football again. So we were talking about twelve hours, like eighteen at least. Eighteen hours. It's less than seventeen hours and forty-three minutes. But who's counting? <laughs> not us. Definitely not us. All right, boys. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. For everyone listen, like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also listen to us on or follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, World Football, the Premier League, and United States Men's National Team. This is Steve with Mike and Vito signing off.